Hello. Thank you so much, Judy. Uh, actually, God had really put it on my heart to just kind of mention Judy today, just because she was here since 2008 as part of Emmaus, before it was Emmaus, so when it used to be YICF. And so since then, she's been serving so faithfully for the last six years, or probably more than six years, right? Because I was at YICF a semester after you had started, I believe. And so she's, for like six and a half, seven years, Judy Choi has been serving faithfully on top of being a full-time student, you know, transitioning into being a full-time, wor- you know, full-time workforce. And she's been, you know, just so faithfully sewing every single season. You know, seeing something like that, it's really rare. And it's just so amazing. So let's give Judy a clap offering. All right. And so, as Judy said, my name is Brian. I'm a member at New Philly Itaewon. Any Itaewoners? There we go. All right. And so, I also used to be staff here in 2008. And so, that was, yeah, that was six years ago, five, six years ago. And it was back when it was still called YACF. And I feel like starting from then, my heart has always been a part of this campus, especially this room, because this is where we always met to pray. This is where we met for large group. And just to see it still over here, except just bigger and bigger every single time I come, it's really unbelievable. And it just feels like every time I come, God is saying, I'm still answering your prayer. And every time, it's like there's more and more. And so he's just, he's been so good answering those prayers that, you know, we sowed five, six years ago. And then Pastor Christian sowed, you know, even longer than that. All right. And so a little bit about me. I know I haven't met everyone or everyone hasn't seen me yet. So I work as a programmer and a web developer. Um, if you want to listen to how I became a programmer, you can listen to the last sermon and just you know, hear kind of the favor I've had in my life. I'm also a really big nerd. And so I really, really love learning. And this is, a, I don't know, I guess a passion that's really developed in my life maybe over the last three or four years. Funny, funny enough, it was after I graduated from college. <laughs> I don't know. But uh as I've pursued the Lord, he just gave me this even greater passion to learn. And not even just learning about God and about the deep things of the Lord, but just learning about the world and how it works. I just have this huge passion. And so when I see you guys in school, I'm a little bit jealous. But let me remind you, learning is a lifelong process, and you never stop learning. And the people who are the best in their field, they will never stop learning. All right. And most importantly, I'm married to my beautiful wife, Jane, who is not here. All right. She's... She's still at work, actually. But, uh, yeah, she, she's going to be here in spirit because a lot of the prep I did for this sermon, um, she actually gave me a lot of the insight into it as she chewed some of the messages from the retreat. And as we talked about it, you know, God was just showing me more and more and really opening my eyes to what I'm going to talk about today. Uh, one more thing that you should know about me is my favorite thing in the world is efficiency. People who know me really well know that I love things that are efficient, you know, things that are quick. You know, when people don't kind of beat around the bush and go around. And one of my biggest pet peeves is long sermons. <laughs> All right. You guys can imagine how difficult that has been for me over the last six years at New Philadelphia Church. <laughs> but God has been humbling me and giving me chances to speak as well and, you know, hopefully give a shorter sermon, <laughs> one that fits. <laughs> but uh, one of the reasons why I love Emmaus is because you guys are efficient. You guys are efficient. You know, some of the breakthroughs that take years for a lot of people, you know, and months and months and months, you know, God does that same breakthrough in Emmaus in days and weeks. 
right? And so you guys are so efficient. I love it. <laughs> and I really think you guys are kind of the, the forerunner ministry, um, you know, both because you're at Yonsei and there's, you know, more campuses that came after you, but even of all of New Philly, you guys are really a forerunner ministry that really sets the standard for breakthroughs, that sets the standard for testimonies. Every single time I talk to Tina or Judy or anyone who's a staff at Emmaus, they're just so filled with such love and testimony, you know, so many good stories about what God is doing at Emmaus. It really is such an exciting time to be a part of this campus. All right. And so... In the name of efficiency, let me start my message. <laughs> All right, if you have your Bible, Bibles, please turn with me to Daniel chapter 5, verse 10 through 12. And I'm going to be reading from the ESV. It's my favorite translation for this passage. And I really like it when pastors say, I like how the NIV says it, or I like how the King James says it. I think it's just kind of them saying that that's the version that best fits their message. Not necessarily that it's a better translation. But we'll be reading from the ESV. For anyone taking notes, the title of this message is The Excellent Spirit. Ooh. All right, I'll start from verse 10. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banqueting hall. The queen declared, O king, live forever. Let not your thoughts alarm you or your color change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers. Because an excellent spirit, knowledge and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. Would you bow your heads with me in a word of prayer? Yeah, Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in the midst over here. Uh, I just take all authority, and I bind any spirit of apathy, any spirit of numbness. And I declare, Lord, that you're doing a fresh work right now, that you're speaking into our hearts with a fresh, a fresh message, that you're showing us who you really are. By showing us who you really are, you're showing us who we really are. And so we declare, Lord, that today we will not walk home the same. We will not walk home the same tired people that we came in, but we'll walk out rejuvenated, knowing who we are, and ready for the destiny that you have prepared for us. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So to give a little bit of a background about Daniel... Um, well, first of all, anyone in here except for staff? Does anyone know what the name Daniel actually means? Staff, does anyone know what the name Daniel actually means? Seminary graduate? <laughs> it means God is my judge. God is my judge. And Daniel is someone who really lived uh, according to his name. Every action he did, it was as if he realized and knew that God was his judge and all that he did. Um, he was a Jewish exile who got taken captive to Babylon to serve King Nebuchadnezzar. He was uh, taken captive with a whole bunch of other Jewish boys who were all pretty much the top, the elite. And in his time under Nebuchadnezzar, under Nebuchadnezzar's son, Belshazzar, and then under King Darius of Persia, um, Daniel excelled in all that he did. He was put in charge of, 
you know, put in the highest positions. And so he's someone that God spoke to also really clearly about the end times. You know, they're only, and I would say him and the Apostle Paul were the only two people in the Bible to receive such clear revelation, at least scripturally, about the end times. So you know that he is in just a really crazy category when it comes to ranking. You know, I don't, I'm not sure if you're supposed to rank you know, the apostles and the prophets, but if you were to, he would be way up there, <laughs> all right? And as far as I can tell, there's nothing in all of Daniel that shows any type of sin that he committed. Any time when he fell to, into temptation, there's no, no example in all of the scripture of Daniel falling, all right? He was faithful from the beginning to the end, all right? I, I'm guessing because, you know, maybe the writers just didn't put it in, but you know, my guess is that he was faithful from beginning to end. And the only other person in the Bible who has that record is Jesus. And so when we talk about Daniel, we're really talking about an amazing man of God who was so faithful in everything he did. So there's a lot that we can talk about with Daniel, but I want to talk about his excellence. And before we talk about that, we've got to first define what it means to be excellent before God. And so... The passage that we looked at in Daniel, it said that he had an excellent spirit. And that appears several times in the book of Daniel. And so looking at our trusted resource, dictionary.com, the definition of excellence is the quality of being outstanding or extremely good. Right, but if we get a little bit deeper into the Hebrew, the word that used in the passage is the Hebrew word yatir. How do you pronounce that, David? <laughs> yatir, there we go. Repeat after me, yatir. There we go. And that can mean preeminent, surpassing, extreme, extraordinary. And so I think in other translations, you'll see it, Daniel described as having an extraordinary spirit. But he was a man of excellence. And so we all just came back from a retreat a few weeks ago. I don't know if everyone was there, but it was just an amazing time. And as a retreat, the theme was the hidden wisdom of God. The thing is, it was really different, this retreat, than any other New Philly retreat I've been on. And I've been on probably like 20, 25 New Philly retreats in my tenure. But it was different because it wasn't like one of those retreats where you have a spiritual high, then you come back down. But it was during the retreat, all the sermons were kind of geared towards, I'm telling you what I'm telling you, but the rest of it, if you want to find it out, you got to figure it out on your own. Go after God yourself and figure it out. So for the last two weeks, me and my wife, um, almost every night, we've just been and lying down and just talking about what we've learned and asking God, show us a little bit more. And as we ask God, God just continues to show more and more um, of his wisdom and just more and more of yeah, what he wants to speak to us. So that's what I really loved about this retreat. And I think you know, it's a signal of just a maturing campus, of a maturing church, that we're not just a church that goes down and up, down and up, but we're one that's just kind of going steadily to a higher pace, to a higher place. And so one of the words that really stuck out is one that Pastor Benjamin said, and he said that wisdom does something. It's active, not passive. When wisdom is put to work, it'll grow in you. So as I've been chewing on this one revelation, you know, actually, I think it was my wife who came up with this revelation. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I felt God was saying is the manifestation of wisdom is excellence. Right, excellence is the manifestation of the wisdom of God, especially the hidden wisdom of God. When you have the hidden wisdom of God, you know, the product, the byproduct of that is excellence. 
right? If you're operating and moving in the wisdom of God, you have excellence. And so how do we know that it's not just about walking in the wisdom of the world? So I'm going to look through Daniel 1. And there were a lot of captives taken. And Daniel, like I said before, he was one of a whole bunch of people that were recruited into the king's service. In Daniel 1, it describes the others that Daniel was with. It says they were of the royal family and of the nobility. They were in the highest echelon of society. They were youths without blemish. You can think like Brad Pitt, you know, someone with a really, or, you know, like the CG abs and 300. You know, they were without blemish. You know, they were of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, in all wisdom. You know, they were wise, wise people. They're endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace. So basically, they were the best of the best. You can think they were kind of like, like the valedictorians of their day. You know, if they had class ranks, they would be the top of their class, you know, in whatever districts that they're a part of. They were just the best of the best. And so when it says that Daniel had an excellent spirit, they don't mean that he was just smart, he was good looking, you know, he did well on his SATs, he got a perfect, what is it out of now, 2400 Right? It doesn't mean you know, he did really well on all those standardized tests and now he's doing well. You know, Because that would apply to every single other person that was with him. Because they were all the top of the crop. But it only says that Daniel walked with an excellent spirit. And so I don't think they're talking about earthly wisdom here. Because everyone else already had earthly wisdom. So we, we see a clear example of this in First. Um, in the first chapter of Daniel, when he refuses to eat the king's food. And so this story, you know, I guess it's told in a whole bunch of different places, but Daniel, what he does is, he doesn't want to defile himself with the king's food, so he tells, you know, the guard, I'm just going to eat vegetables. Test me. And after 10 days, if I look better, then that means it was good for me. So it's really weird, though, because why can't he eat the king's food? All right. Well, first of all, it's disgusting. Why would you just want to eat vegetables? All right, there's no taste. <laughs> but second of all, why? You know, when we know about what we know about Jewish tradition and custom and law is, you know, there's a bunch of things you can't eat, but it basically comes down to you can't eat pig, you can't eat lobster. All right, you can't eat pork and you can't eat lobster or shellfish. All right, and you can't eat like fish without scales, things like that. And you, you know, you can't eat things that still have blood in them and like hooves and. Not really sure, but and there's a few generic rules, and it gets pretty intense, but Daniel could have eaten steak. You know, if he wanted to, he could have said, give me just steak and vegetables. All right, that sounds a little bit better, right? Steak and vegetables every single meal. He's like, all right, one day I want the filet mignon. Next day, can you give me the T-bone? Day after that, oh. It reminds me of a place in New York City called Peter Luger's. Anyone ever, anyone from New York? Woo-woo. A few of you guys in New York. <laughs> but uh, there's a pl- steakhouse there called Peter Luger's most amazing steak you'll ever have. Anyway, sorry for making you salivate, but he could have asked for steak. He could have asked for some really good food. But instead, he says, just give me vegetables. And so it's really weird. And I- I'm wondering, why is he just asking for vegetables? You know, he could, if I was him, you know, I would definitely ask for a little bit more. But, you know, kind of the conclusion I came up to was, it's wisdom. He was operating in a spirit of wisdom. And so Daniel was being obedient to God. And when you're obedient to God, 
it opens up the supernatural. Or it opens up God's provision because it says, after 10 days, they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh all right, than all the youth. I understand, you know, better in appearance. You know, people who go on like a 10-day cleanse, Daniel fast or whatever, they look good. But it also says they were fatter in appearance. All right, do you see a lot of people who go on a 10-day Daniel fast and they come out fatter than they were before? All right, it doesn't really happen. All right, so what that tells me is he either ate like 15 pounds of vegetables every day, only the fattest vegetables that he could find, or God was supernaturally providing for him. All right, and I think because he was walking in his spirit, in an excellent spirit, in the wisdom of God, really manifesting God's wisdom, he opened that door to the supernatural and God fed him. All right, and God gave him, you know, I guess when you're obedient to God, he gives you some weight gain as well. But, uh, you know, he really kind of went with that. All right, so let's keep on going. So a few more things about, I'm going to kind of just talk about some different aspects of the excellent spirit, and then at the end, I'll kind of put it together, just kind of let you know where I'm going. All right, so if it seems like I'm kind of going all over the place. It's because I am, but know that it's, we're going somewhere. All right, we're going somewhere. All right, so let's move on. Daniel 6, verse 3. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. All right, so he got to where he was. You know, part of Daniel's destiny, part of his calling was to be at the top of Babylon. All right, it was to be at the top of Babylon, and the way he got there was because he had an excellent spirit. So what that tells us is this. An excellent spirit is what helps us carry out our God-given destinies and visions. All right? An excellent spirit is what helps us carry out our God-given destinies and visions. All right? If what you're doing in your life, what you're going for, what you think is your destiny does not require you to have an excellent spirit, you should probably wonder, is that actually what God is calling me to do? Because the things that God calls you to do, you can't do with a normal demeanor, with a normal spirit, with just kind of going like it's every day. All right, the things that God calls you to do can only happen when you have an excellent spirit. All right, and one of the byproducts of having, having an excellent spirit is that you're committed. All right, so one of the things that you, you ha- that you should know about Babylon and that still stands true today, it was one of the most wicked kingdoms of all time. All right, they practiced all kinds of demonic stuff. All right, they had witches, they had warlocks. You know, they had all these people just prophesying false things. And it was just, yeah, like King Nebuchadnezzar, he would just kill anyone at will. You can think North Korea times a billion in terms of atrocities. All right, they didn't care. Right, but that is what Daniel was in for his whole life, starting from when he was 15. He was there, and he was committed the whole time. He did not waver in his commitment. Because when you have an excellent spirit, you don't waver in your commitment. Right, you don't waver in your commitment. But one more thing that it breeds is favor. Right, as you walk in excellence, as you walk you know, committed and loyal, God will pour out his favor on you. And you'll also see, not only does favor get poured out, but there's also contempt that rises up from people who are jealous. But what you'll see all throughout Scripture is the favor always wins out. 
favor always wins out. And you see that all, you know, over and over again in Daniel. You see that when he was in the lion's den. You see that when he was uh, in the furnace. You know, over and over again, the favor of God wins out. All right. Let's move on. Daniel 4, verse 19. Then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. Belshazzar answered and said, My Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. Right, so Belshazzar is interpreting a dream for King, I mean, Daniel is interpreting a a dream for King Nebuchadnezzar. And what happens is really simple. The dream is a really bad sign for King Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel, you know, he has a few options in this. He can be like, King Nebuchadnezzar, because you are evil and because you've done all these bad things, God is saying there is judgment coming. But Daniel doesn't say that. What he says is, my Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you. May your, I wish that this dream was for your enemies and not for you. Right, this was the ultimate time where he can say, I told you so. Right, this is the ultimate I told you so situation. But he doesn't. He just says, I wish this was for your enemies and not for you. Right, let me put this into some perspective. King Nebuchadnezzar had Daniel castrated. King Nebuchadnezzar had Daniel castrated. If you don't know what castrated means, I don't want to have to explain it on the mic. All right, but he had his private parts taken out so that he could be a eunuch serving in the kingdom and that there's no competition, you know, because they work with, like, the queens and the princesses and whoever. And so when Daniel was brought in, he paid a pretty hefty price. All right, he was castrated, most likely. And so when he says this to King Nebuchadnezzar, He's saying it to the guy that was responsible, you know, for him being in his, in his situation. And he's saying, may this dream, may this vision be for your enemies and not for you. And so an excellent spirit, it's not just about being excellent yourself, but it's about seeing the excellence in others. All right, one of the characteristics of an excellent spirit is not just being excellent in what you do, but believing in the excellence of those around you, even those who castrate you, all right? Even those who hurt you, who speak wrongly of you, who slander you, who bully you, you know, who steal your, who steal your lunch money, you know, whatever else, all right? It doesn't matter. You know, what this scripture is saying is you have to believe in the excellence of those around you, all right? And Daniel did that. He says... Oh, it says in Daniel 5, verse 18 to 19. O king, the most high God, gave Nebuchadnezzar your father. This is Daniel speaking. God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father kingship and greatness and glory and majesty. And because of the greatness that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. So a little bit later on, after King Nebuchadnezzar had passed away, Daniel is exalting Nebuchadnezzar. And he's saying he was so great. Daniel is someone who really believed in the best. And he believed in the excellence in King Nebuchadnezzar. All right, he believed in the excellence of King Nebuchadnezzar. Just let that sink in. 
Can you believe in the excellence of those around you who aren't so easy to get along with? You know, maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's your ex-best friend, right? Maybe it's your brother or sister. Maybe it's just someone on the street. Can you believe in the excellence that God has put on their life? All right, now we're going to put some of this together. So I've talked a lot about, a little bit about the excellent spirit, but I haven't really gone into how did Daniel get the excellent spirit. So it's really simple. Um, if we look back at our starting passage, Daniel chapter 5, you know, it says that the king should trust Daniel because an excellent spirit, knowledge and understanding, etc., were found in this Daniel. All right, it's not Daniel, it's not God, you know, who say that Daniel had an excellent spirit. All right, it's the queen. It's someone who doesn't know who God is. Before that, it was Nebuchadnezzar, who, you know, when he didn't know who God was. Those are the people who are saying Daniel had an excellent spirit. All right, it's not anyone who knows really the spirit realm, at least not the God side. They, you know, they might know the demonic side of it. But these are the people who are saying that Daniel had an excellent spirit. All right, the last thing I want to say is that an excellent spirit is often how people who don't know God describe the Holy Spirit working in you. All right? The excellent spirit is just synonymous with the Holy Spirit. All right, when God is working in you and you're walking in excellence, the Holy Spirit is in you and you're being obedient to where God is leading you, and someone who doesn't know God encounters you and sees that, they're going to say, this man has an excellent spirit. And it's because they don't have the vocabulary to describe what is going on. They don't have the vision and the spiritual clarity to see that God is moving in that person. So all through Daniel, when people say that he has an excellent spirit, we as Christians, we know better. And we can say it's because he had the Holy Spirit. It's because God was on his side. It's because he was working. You know, God was working inside of him. There's nowhere in Scripture where it says the spirit of excellence. Right, there's nowhere in scripture where it says a spirit of excellence. It says spirit of wisdom, spirit of revelation, you know, and a whole bunch of other things. You know, it says it talks about those spirits, but it never talks about a spirit of excellence. All right, there's no reference to that whatsoever. But that's because when they're talking about an excellent spirit, it's not a spirit of excellence, but it's just the Holy Spirit working in Daniel. So the only thing that made Daniel different than his peers, you know, and they all had a similar education, similar degrees, you know, similar wisdom, similar worldly wisdom, you know, similar looks, similar build, you know, whatever else. The only thing that differentiated Daniel was that he knew who God was. Right? He knew who God was. And walking in excellence just means that you know how excellent your creator is. God... Daniel knew. He knew that God was excellent. And because he knew who he was in God, he was able to walk with an excellent spirit. So my way last point, it's really simple. The way we walk in the excellent spirit is by being obedient to God. All right, the way we walk in the excellent spirit is by being obedient to God. You know, walking in excellence is really simple when you're obedient to God. We already have it. If you know who God is, if you know who the Holy Spirit is, it's already in you. 
the thing is, like all things of God, we choose. Well, I don't want to say always. Sometimes I see people like shaking on the floor. They're not really choosing, I think. <laughs> but like most of the time, we choose what we walk in. Right? If you have the Holy Spirit, you choose whether you want to listen to the Spirit's voice. When you, and I'm telling you right now, you have the excellent Spirit inside of you. And you choose whether you want to walk in excellence or whether you don't want to walk in excellence. Right? It really is a choice. Because I'm telling you right now, according to everything in Scripture, the excellent spirit is already in you. Right? If you've accepted God and you have the Holy Spirit, right, the excellent spirit is in you. Right? It's already in you. And you can do anything and everything that God has intended for you. And I'm going to close with just a story about... Um, so earlier this year, uh, 2014 has been a bit of a crazy year for me. And there's just been a lot of different things that have been on my mind. But one of the things that happened to me um, this year, well, not really to me, um, what happened to my grandmother was that she passed away earlier this year. And she passed away in New York. And then my dad you know, brought her ashes to Korea, and we had another funeral over here. And so as that happened, um, you know, it was amazing. You don't have to feel bad or anything. You know, my grandma was 102 years old. She was born in 1912. And so when we went to uh, the funeral place, what, Korean people, what's the word for the oldest son? Yeah, whatever that word is. <laughs> my my uh, oldest uncle, my kunabaji, was 82 years old. And so he, he was the oldest son, but he's 82. And so the oldest son that was there was 82, who was older than almost everyone else in that funeral area who, was, who had passed away. But that just shows how crazy of a life, how long my grandma lived. She lived till she was 102. And even up till that day, uh, that morning when she passed away, she actually, she ate Chinese food. You know, it doesn't seem like it's something a 102-year-old should do. She wasn't wheelchair-bound. You know, she was in just a normal amount of pain, but no extreme pain or anything. And then when my, uh, when my dad, well, when she started having some issues, they took her, the ambulance came, and then before she went into the ER, you know, my grandma told my dad, he said, or she said, you know, I'm ready to go. There's nothing else you have to do for me. And like they could have probably kept her alive for a bit longer, but she was ready to go. And part of the reason she was ready to go was she lived an excellent life. So she was a woman who was always faithful to the Lord. Uh, she read her Bible every single day, every single year, and every single year the text on the pages got a little bit bigger. <laughs> she would get a new edition. She got older, but she would be there reading it every time I came home. She'd always be praying for my family. It's crazy because she had six kids and single-handedly brought them all over from North Korea to South Korea, you know, right before the Korean War started. And she did it by herself because her, my grandfather was already in the South, and they, were, they couldn't go back and forth. So they had a crazy border escape, you know, where she, when my, one great thing about the funeral was I got to talk to my uncle, and he was just sharing with me all these stories about how they were crossing the border, then they heard all these Russians screaming and yelling and these guns, and so they just ran for it, and then they all got scattered. And it was just insane. Just 
And the craziest part is my grandma was the first Christian in our whole family. And from her, it just, every single generation became stronger and stronger. All her children, they became like lawyers, doctors, businessmen. And they started with really nothing in the South. It was amazing. You know, as I heard all these stories about my grandma, you know, because she was really a praying woman who walked uh, with excellence in everything she did. You know, she was 70 years old when she came from Korea to New York to take care of me and my brother, me and my twin brother. Man, can you imagine a 70-year-old woman chasing around twins because my parents had to work? (laughs) But she did that with excellence, and me and my brother somehow, (laughs) we turned out okay. (laughs) But we gave her a handful. They had to, my parents had to literally bolt down all the furniture. You know, they had to always have tools so that they could, um, you know, fix the holes that we we would put in all the doors. You know, we would we would do terrible things. You know, I feel so bad for my sister growing up. She was five years older than me and my brother, but by the time me and my brother were five years old, you know, we could team up and gang up on her. <laughs> oh, man. But my grandma took care of us through all that when she was 70 years old or over 70. Yeah, she must have been just over 70 when she took over and started watching out for us. It's kind of crazy. But she lived with such excellence, and I saw that in everything she did, whether it was gardening, you know, even well into her 90s, and even when she got over 100, she was still taking care of our garden in the backyard. She's still growing fruit, still doing, you know, the, whatever you call that, <laughs> the hoeing, I guess, all right, you know, doing the soil and, you know, planting the seeds. And, like, I got back from college, and all of a sudden, there were, like, there was an apple tree and a pear tree in my backyard. It's like, what the, you know, when did this happen? But it was my grandma, you know, and then she, she was still able to, like, she got better at knitting as she got older. And, like, when she was in her later 90s, she would knit, like, full clothing by herself. Like, she would do, like, a suit jacket and different things. And I was just like, what is going on? How does she do this? <laughs> it's crazy because she was really a woman that walked in excellence. My last point is this. When you walk in excellence, you walk, you know, you're, you're committed throughout. And when you walk in excellence for your whole life, You can be like my grandmother and you can say, there's nothing else you need to do. I'm ready to go. When you walk in excellence, it just means you're giving your all to God. That you're living a life that is worthy of what God is doing. I want us all just to stand up right now. I know a lot of you guys are just in college now. And you guys are still trying to figure out um, what God is doing in your life. You know, let me just say, it's no accident that you're here. It's no accident that God has brought you here with such amazing staff such amazing leaders who can really sow into your lives. But what I want to say while you guys are here is that you guys are excellent. You know, the Spirit of God is in you. and Anything you do when you dedicate to the Lord, it's going to be done in excellence. I've seen it time and time again in my life, whether it's in leading worship, uh, whether it's in the workplace, you know, whether it's in school. Whenever I was able to commit it to the Lord, man, God would multiply it and He will allow me to be excellent. You know, and I, I even saw this recently. Um, I guess earlier this year, I had like my three-month probation period at my work. And my boss called me in and he was, you know, and I was like, oh, I hope I, you know, they, conti- they continue to keep me in the company. And he said, Brian, you know, come in. And throughout the interview, he was just telling me how, how proud he was of me and everything I've done. And I was just, I was just shocked because in my head, I was just like, I didn't really do that much. And he said, stay with me. 
you know, stay with me here at least a year. And if you want to go then, you can go. But if you want to go and you want to start something, because he knows I want to go into business, he's like, come to me first. You know, I might want to invest in you. I might want to, you know, give you some money to start up. And I was just like, you know, I didn't want to cry in front of him, so I didn't say much. <laughs> and I was just like, God, this, is what, this must be what it means to follow you. To walk in favor. And I feel like I'm at a place where I can just go somewhere and I'll, I expect favor. And when I don't see favor, I feel like God must be trying to tell me something. There's maybe somewhere where I misstepped. Because if you walk in obedience to God, favor is going to follow you every single step of the way. And everything you do is going to turn into gold. Whether you're interested in music, whether you're interested in business, whether you're interested in education, no matter what direction you want to go, God is going to be there with you. And his favor is going to be poured out upon you. So I want us just to put our hands in a position of receiving. I want you to repeat after me. Dear Lord, I thank you for being in my life. I thank you that you have made me in your image. I thank you that you have put an excellent spirit on me. Lord, show me. Lord, show me. Your favor. Lord, show me. Your grace. Lord, show me. The plans that you have for me. All right, I want you guys just to spend a few minutes in prayer and ask God to show you what he has for you, to show you the areas that he has chosen for you to excel. Because there are so many. When I look out in this group, I see future entrepreneurs. I see future doctors. I see people who are going to shake the education realm. I see people who are going to rise up to high positions of power. I see people who are going to influence the church and become pastors of mega churches. I see people who are going to become amazing parents. Yeah, I see people who are just really going to change this world. So out loud, just ask God. Ask God to show you where he wants you to walk in excellence. Ask God to show you that you are excellent. Now let's pray.